Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, where we tackle the challenges of raising teenagers without the drama. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hi, parents of teens and tweens. As parents, one of our biggest concerns is the impact of social pressures and expectations on our teen's body image. If you're concerned about your teen's eating habits, self-care, and self-esteem, you're in the right place. Today, we're tackling this critical issue with Dr. Morgan Francis, a licensed professional counselor and the founder and owner of Scottsdale Premier Counseling. Dr. Francis is the nationally recognized treatment specialist in body image and eating disorders. She's here to share her expert strategies from promoting a healthy body image and self-acceptance in our teens. Dr. Francis, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. I am too. So first tell us, what inspired you to focus on body image? Well, probably I think, you know, whenever we enter the field of psychology, it has to do with something that we connect with. And I mean, obviously I think we all can connect with, um, being uncomfortable, being at war, um, being at odds with our body at, at different times in our life. And definitely I'm one of those persons. And so, you know, I definitely suffered from my own eating disorder. So, I mean, when I was in my teen years through my twenties, I have done my own therapy. Um, and then in my professionally, um, my first population I started working with was actually men. And I worked with sexual compulsivity and working with men around their body image. Um, and I worked at a group prior practice uh, focusing on that for about 10 years. And then I became a mother um, to three children in three years. So it was a very, very chaotic wow. time in my life. <laughs> yes, yes. It was it was a lot, Dr. Camp. Um <laughs> And so, um, I had to create my own practice so I could have my own flexibility in hours. So that's when I left the group and I started my own, um, when she mentioned in the intro and the focus really just then continued to be specifically on body image, whether it, you know, you meet the criteria for an eating disorder or you don't, we all can experience, you know, how body image affects us, which I'm sure we will get into. Well, yeah. And I think that's something that as adults, we all struggle with, and I'm glad you brought up that you've worked with men because I hear, you know, a lot of the a lot of the teenagers that I work with, they it, it doesn't matter what if they're male or female, they still struggle with the body images are different what their expectations are, but they still struggle with it. How do we know if our kids? What are some signs that our kids are really struggling with it versus you know I don't feel good today. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think some of the things that, you know, if we're talking about maybe a teenager, we're seeing some hyper fixation with their appearance or leaving the house, right? They're really concerned about making sure they're wearing the right type of clothing. They look okay. They're accepted by their peers. And we see this homogeneity, meaning like a lot of their girlfriends or uh, male friends, um, if it's a boy, are dressing very similar. They, they want to fit in. They want to blend in. It's very rare that we see a teenager looking different from her girlfriends, right? They all have the same shorts, maybe the same top. Um, they just want to feel included. And so if they're not feeling included, they can start to question their appearance and a level mm -hmm. of insecurity or inadequacy starts to develop internally. And so this can look like anxiety, you know, anxious thoughts. It can look like, 
depressive thinking, and we see this with isolation. And then ultimately, it may affect their relationship with food. And that's when we really need to start to pay attention because there can be a lot of negative ramifications from that. I have so many questions right now. So the first one is, let's think about our, we we see that our kids are struggling with their body image, right? They're like restricting their food. They're saying I'm fat. There's just a lot of negativity around it. How do we as parents address that? Because yeah. th- this this well, one's a tricky one because I know a lot of parents are like, you're not fat. You're beautiful. And it backfires. How, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. So it's a great question. So one of the things that really is so upsetting and hard to hear as a therapist is how many times I've worked with either adults or minors who they know from their peers that their body is not acceptable. So I've heard from teens that, you know, when I was 10 years old in fourth grade, um, the girl, you know, would grab my stomach they would pinch my fat, or I was the last to be picked on the team. Um, I wasn't included, um, you know, when, you know, you pick sports teams in gym class. Um, I was teased. I was, you know, my food was scrutinized. Um, Mm. So many things I have heard, and it's, it's trauma. And I, and I, and I really want us to look at it from the appropriate lens of how traumatic these statements can be for a young person and it stays with us. I mean, anytime I've talked with an adult, they know, they know the first time that they were told they were fat and they remember what they were wearing. They remember where they were, who said it. And that's a huge, huge thing for anyone to be subjected to, to learn that their body is problematic, that it's unacceptable And so I have a lot, I spend a lot of time just sitting with compassion and validation that their Mm. experience is real. And so when a parent says, no, that's not true, you're beautiful, I do find it to be well-intended. I, I, you know, honestly, we we want, you know, parents are coming from a a great place, but it's missing the mark. It's really missing the mark. And we need to as a parent, it's okay to sit with your child in the yuck, in the pain, in the hurt, and the sadness without trying to just make them feel better. Because I know as a parent, it's one of the hardest things to see your child hurting. And it's incredibly mm-hmm. uncomfortable, um, but yet it's necessary. So I would say that's the first, one of the first things we can do is, is sit with them in the yuck of their hurt. That is so uncomfortable for parents to do too because we want to fix it, right? We want to go in and I think – and we want them to feel good and be happy and and be have so high self-esteem and unfortunately, we can't just tell them to have that. It, it's much deeper than that. There's other things that we can do and I notice that – I mean, I, I'm a mom of a, of a teen daughter too and from the day one, this is something I've been so hyper-intentional about because – I've always struggled with body image, like pretty much everyone. I mean, it's definitely not a unique unique thing, but that's been one thing that every single day I'm so intentional on how I talk about my own body and how I talk about her body and what she's wearing. And 
I think that's very difficult for us to do. And we send really mixed messages. What are some of the things that we may not be aware of that we may be saying or doing that is giving our kids kind of this wrong impression about their body and might be feeding into this? Yeah. So that's a question I get often from moms is, you know, how do I make sure my daughter has body confidence? You know, how do I make sure she loves or likes her body? And really what is the underlying message is how do I make sure she doesn't end up like me? Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want her to be at war with my body. Like I've been with mine. And the answer is, work on yours. And and this is my message to the mom or the dad. It's you have to work on your own relationship with your body because children learn through social modeling, monkey see monkey do. So it doesn't, I mean, yeah, it's nice. Like I said before, like you can tell your daughter, she's beautiful. You can tell your son that he's, you know, strong and athletic and all these positive attributes. But if you're beating yourself up, if you're sighing, like, oh, if you're complaining about your body, if you are unhappy with being in your body, your children will become confused because they have your body, right? Mm-hmm. Your daughter might have your legs. Your son might have your chest. Your daughter may have your hips. And so if she sees that you are unhappy with your body, then it's confusing because like, well, I look like her. I don't understand if I look like her, mom doesn't like her legs. What does that really mean? And so it's super important that mothers and fathers really work on their own relationship with their body to ensure that their children have a safe relationship with their own. Another thing I see frequently is parents want to protect their kids from being bullied, from being picked on, from being rejected. And so they put a lot of focus on you need to eat right, you're, you know, you need to dress right, you need to exercise, you need to do, oh my gosh, you're gaining weight, you need to not do that. Um, and this causes a lot of stress with kids. The intention, again, is wanting their kids to adopt healthy habits that are going to keep them basically fitting in with what society wants, right? And society is deeming desirable and what we want. But what is the message and how do we help our kids adopt healthy habits without sending them the message that we're kind of picking on them? Well, it's first important that we obviously talk about how fat phobic our society is, right? Yeah. So our society is, is fat phobic and that's where that comes from, you know? Um, and so the other piece of it is, is it goes back to trying to control the food. Um, and fortunately there's this, I don't know if you see it, I, I see it all the time, this hyper vigilance and obsession with, um, clean eating for children, even as young Mm. as like babies and toddlers. Um, It's obsessive and it's all over social media. And I feel really bad for a lot of parents who get so many mixed messages and really it's so fear-based, right? It's just, you know, goodness, you know, God forbid you, you serve your child something in it that is deemed unhealthy when the reality is, yeah, I mean, your kid's going to have Doritos. I mean, I like Doritos. I mean, that's, we don't, we don't get obese from eating Doritos. It's, it's way more complicated than that. 
And so I think that there is a lot of pressure on parents to be like so perfect in their parenting or to help their child not be rejected, um, to be included. And so I also think it's not only that piece, but also raising children to be inclusive, to be a Mm. horseshoe, to sit with the kids that are sitting by themselves, um, to help the children that are new to a school, to include them. Um, because we need to be raising kids to be kind. Um, and I think it's, there's so many levels to it, but I think the first and foremost is, you know, helping your child accept all body shapes and sizes. And that begins within the home and how we speak about different shapes and sizes. I mean, I grew up, you know, when we would watch the Academy Awards and, you know, we would stand there seeing all the women come down in these beautiful gowns, but we would, you know, pick at them. We would criticize them like, oh, that looks horrible on her. Oh my gosh, that color, that dress. And, and just even that it's, it's problematic because who's to say they won't do that when they go to homecoming, right? Or Uh, when they go to school, right? Yeah. And so they did. um, yeah, I just don't, I just, we, I, I really, um, I'm, I'm mindful, um, about the type of material that's on the TV, um, the type of material that they are exposed to with their social media, um, you know, who they're following, why they're following. So these are just such important conversations for us to have with our children to really understand what they're consuming. Cause what we consume definitely affects the way we think, we feel, and what we do in our daily life. Dr. Francis, let's dive a deep a bit deeper into that because I think this is one of the things that gets a lot of a lot of blame and a lot of highlight is social media and our kids are consuming, you know, they're looking at all these people with filters on and what they're supposed to look like. And so how do parents counteract all of that information that's coming in, we're not going to get our kids off of social media. Let's be real. That's that's their world, right? So how do we counteract it? Well, it's a great question. And, and we're not meant to win. We're not meant to win against the monster of social media. We're just not meant to. It's not designed that way. It's designed to hook your child. It's designed to hook you, to, you know, yeah. anyone. So um, I think, you know, again, validating the fact that we're up against Goliath and also how I have introduced social media into my children is it's a tool. Meaning if you're going to be on it, and again, it's an if, if you're going to be on it, um, you make it work for you. So you, meaning like for my daughter, um, we created a jewelry business. So I wanted her to use her Instagram as a means to like have a business to profit off of. And she has. And, and so that's what it's there for. It's not there to follow people. It's not there to socialize. It's there to be a tool that you are going to use for you instead of it using you. And Mm. I think also, you know, if you have an athlete, there's a tremendous amount of NILs going on right now with athleticism. And so it's like, how can you create that page for your daughter or your son and highlight their their basketball in order to get them into the right program for their college or sponsors. So it's an, it's again it's it's a it's a search engine that we're going to use to 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 gain from, not to take away from. 
And so I have obviously lots of limits and parental controls and all those things that I think are very important um, that parents need to have. Uh, It's a safeguard and we we have to have those um, um, to protect our children. Because again, you're up against Goliath. It's, it's, it's a, it's impossible to stay on top of it, but if you can start it from the get-go as this is the why you're on it, I think that we can start the building blocks of how to use social media rather than social media using us. Yeah. I think too, in there, I heard, you know, it's how do we educate our kids to use it well rather than, you know, banning our kids or restricting our kids to the level where they're not going to actually when they get it, they're not going to know how to use it. And even going on and looking at the different filters and saying, hey, let's go look and play with all these different filters and see how they're changing what people actually look like for real and look at what they actually look like for real, you know, and and redefining what beautiful is. Well, right. And there's a lot of research that supports the unhappiness that comes from using filters. Um. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make us feel better. It actually causes us to feel worse and not only to make us feel worse, but we actually continue to consume while we are feeling bad. So oh, it's yeah. not like we feel bad and then we get off. We feel bad and we continue to stay on. Right. So that is something, again, that we have to be aware of and we have to be navigating with our child. And so knowing what your, if your child is on social media and is looking at different types of, you know, um, you know, body shapes and sizes or fitness influencers or social media influencers, ask why, what is it about them that you like looking at? What, what is it about them that, that you are, um, interested in? Like what about, and how does it make you feel after looking at it? Um, the term is social media literacy. And mm. so by teaching your child to be social social media literate, we are putting the power back into the consumer's hands. Yeah. Teaching your child that they have the choice, they have the option to follow or unfollow. The algorithm is actually going to continue to throw you things, but you have the choice at the end to decide whether or not you consume it. And social yeah. media literacy is a really key tool that we have to start teaching our children at a very young age. Yeah. And and I think too, it's helping them. I I like how you're asking them how they feel about it because it's helping them find what they can, what they can consume. And I, I love, it's more about being creators, right? But if they're consuming, how can you help them find stuff to consume that actually makes them feel better about themselves rather than worse about themselves. And there's so much amazing content out there that Mm -hmm. can actually boost how kids feel about themselves and teach them and they can learn and helping them find that because we know the algorithms, if they start finding some stuff that makes them feel bad, they're going to get more and more and more of it. And all of a sudden it feels like that's all there is on the internet. And they think, everyone looks like this because they're finding the small little portion of it. So it's helping them broaden what they, what they're seeing and the people, cause there's a lot of body positive people out there that are doing amazing work and really boosting how value, the value of people beyond, you know, their looks. How do we help them find that? Yes. And, and having that body diversity, right? I think that's so key 
to have body diversity represented on our social media. I know it's been very important in my own relationship with body image. And I think it's so important that we continue to do that for our children as well. Yeah. And I think too, finding things that focus more, like you were talking about, you know, watching the awards and tearing down people. I think in that line, it's like watching shows together that celebrate different body types and styles. I know even like Project Runway now is very focused on having all different genders and sizes. And as the parent, really focusing on what makes each of them beautiful, what makes each of them unique. So you're not going, oh, just the thin blonde one is pretty. It's like, what is beautiful about everyone? Look what they bring. And then we we are widening our vision of what beauty is for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it needs to be widened right? It needs to be diverse and it needs to move out of what's been what diet culture pedestalizes that's completely unobtainable. Yeah. So, so in a way, rather than trying to fit our kids and make our kids fit into this small spectrum of what we believe beauty should be, we need to widen their view of what beauty is so that they're included within it. Right. And they don't need the approval of other children to mean something to the world, right? They yeah. they were born with value. They yeah. don't need to be valued by others to be worthy of love. They've always been enough. Their body has always been enough. And that's a hard thing for many of us, even as adults, to, to realize, especially when the world continues to tell us that it's not, your body's not acceptable. I think a lot of adults still believe that so wholeheartedly that it's hard to relay that message to our kids because adults don't believe it. And that's why I really love Sonia Renee Taylor's work, um, The Body's Not an Apology. I love her work around it. I highly recommend it to any of your listeners to to listen to any podcast interviews that she's been on because she does a a wonderful job of being able to explain this. And um, she's a really great resource um, uh, when we're talking about body acceptance. I love that. I'll have to check that out. So what is something, what is like the one key thing you want parents to walk away with from this episode? Oh, well, there's so, my gosh, there's so many. So it's hard for me to limit. I, <laughs> Just I, one. You can have two. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, you know, it goes back to what I said before is you can't expect your child to love your body if you don't love yours. I mean, yeah. it's, you just can't. So if you're, if you're, if you're being hard on, on you, there's no way that your daughter's going to be okay with herself. Um, yeah. I think also, um, I hear a lot around like healthism, like as long as they're healthy, um, and healthy is not a look the healthy yeah. has nothing to do with aesthetics. Um, healthy is not a before and it's not an after we can never tell how healthy someone is by looking at them. It tells me nothing. Um, so, you know, that's where like a lot of parents would be like, well, my child looks so healthy. I didn't think there was a problem. Eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes, all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. So um, just because someone looks a certain way doesn't mean they're not struggling with their relationship with food or a body image. So I think that's another key piece is not to rely on just like how they look. Um, it's the behaviors, it's the mood and it's the relationship with food, um, that becomes very problematic is then, then it's like, I end up seeing them when there's a crisis 
And so it's yeah. having those conversations before it becomes a crisis. Well, let me ask you real quick, what is the kind of what's the red flag that it's become a crisis and we need to get professional help? So when um, I would say the the biggest is spending more time isolated and on their phone. Mm-hmm. I would say also skipping meals. I mean, when your child goes to school, how do you really know what they're eating? I mean, you really mm-hmm. don't. I mean, they may come home and say, I, oh, I had lunch, but they can just throw the items out in their snack bag or not get the food at the cafeteria, which I've had plenty of high school girls do. Um, so it's really being able to see their level of energy, what they're consuming, how much time they're spending working out. Um, if they're now having a keen interest in cooking their own meals, they have to eat meals that are separate from what the family's eating. Um, there's food rules. Mama can't have that. Um, mm-hmm. There's you know allergies without being actually tested for allergies. Um, like I mean, I, I can't I can't have gluten when there's really no gluten intolerance. Um, mm-hmm. It's having this fixation obsession with you know clean eating or healthy eating or organic eating. Um, we're seeing that a lot with teenagers. Um, it's just, it's really becoming obsessive and compulsive. And those are some of the signs. And yes, that would be just enough to bring your daughter or son for, for, for males. It's about, you know, getting bigger, getting more muscular, um, being really lean, but also being really muscular and fit, um, eating way too much protein, consuming way too much protein, using food scales, um, to measure Mm -hmm. their food. Um, I, I really, I see a lot of teens not eat hot meals. Um, there's no warmth in their meals. Um, it's very meals out of convenience, um, like protein mm-hmm. bars or granola bars or on the go. Um, they're skipping breakfast. I'm just not hungry. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, you may not be hungry at that moment, but how can we start to get your metabolism going? I mean, again, I'm, I'm looking for more of like from a medical standpoint around that. Um, obviously we see changes um, with their menstrual cycle for, for, girls. So those are things that you definitely want to pay attention to, um, and then start working with the provider to help, um, that relationship because it, we don't want it to turn into a full blown eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Cause those, those are something people struggle with the rest of their lives. A lot of times, like it's, it's tough. If, yeah. if parents are listening to this and they're going, you know, we're not to that stage, but I do notice a lot of concerns where my child is showing some just, dis- you know, not being happy with their, not being happy with their body. What is one action item parents can do, something they can do today to start turning that around? I would say start talking with them. And then I hear from parents, well, like they won't talk with me back. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like they don't want to talk with me. I get like, yeah. I'm fine. Or <laughs> I don't know. Or I'm fine. You know, mommy, me alone, you know, um, so one of my favorite tools is the, I think it's called the five minute journal. And so, or you could just use a basic notebook if you can't get this journal, but you basically pass it back and forth between you and your child. So Ooh, yeah. they write in it a couple sentences, and then you write in a couple sentences. And sometimes you may respond back to what they wrote. And sometimes you may just nod and just put something about yourself. Um, but it's a way to communicate. And that's been an effective tool for parents to share with their children, because nowadays kids are so used to just texting and typing and Snapchatting and things like that, that they're not as much engaged verbally. So they're more shut down. So it's important to try to find ways to connect with them on their level. 
or maybe it's spending time with them doing something that they enjoy. And when they you are yeah. doing something that they enjoy, they're more likely to open up to you. So right. it's just really important to continue to, to work that connection with your child to let them know that you're a safe person for them to talk to. Yeah, 100%. That pretty much goes across the board with anything, right? Having that connection yes. is, is critical. How can listeners find you? So I'm on Instagram for um, as one of the accounts that promotes body diversity and yay, uh, so follow yeah. ditching diet culture and and helping us understand <laughs> the the impact um, body image has on all areas of our lives. So I'm on uh, Instagram as Dr. Morgan Francis, and then of course I have um, you know my website where people can listen to any podcast interviews I've been on. I have my email newsletter. Um, but those are probably the most, you know, readily available resources where people can find me and I'm happy to have any conversations or follow up with any questions from your listeners. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and all your wonderful questions. I hope this was helpful for your audience. Uh, it was, I'm sure it was, it was helpful for me. So it's gotta be helpful for them too. Thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend. And if you want more information on how to best support your teen, download my 10 top tips for raising teens at AskDrCam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Don't forget to hit follow so you don't miss a single episode and share the love by passing this on to a friend. Until next time, keep making a positive impact in your teen's life.